0: Good evening and welcome to Pandemicast. Tonight's topic, politics.
1: Pandemicast, brought to you by Redbrick and Burn FM.
0: Good evening everybody and welcome to Pandemicast with myself, Timothy Abington, and I'm joined tonight by the Burn FM news team, Charlie Millington, Emily Petch and Jules Singh. How is everybody tonight? How are you Jules?
2: I'm really uh, doing well, Uh, same as normal, staying at home, social distancing. And yourself,
3: Charlie? Hey everyone. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm managing get, getting through this very bizarre time. Yeah, not gone insane yet, so uh, I'll count that as a win.
0: Always a positive. Always a positive. And how about you, Emily?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I've used the opportunity to take up a few activities and hobbies that I've kind of left by the wayside doing my degree. So yeah, it's actually been all right, thank you. <laughs>
0: Pleased to hear it. Pleased to hear it. So, if we turn to today's topic, we're going to look at the political implications of the virus. We looked at these a couple of weeks ago, and since then, a lot has changed. We've seen various members of the cabinet self isolate. We've seen the procedures of government change a lot. Parliament has since been suspended, it's now gone in its recess, so it's no longer sitting. There's discussions in place over what the replacement for that will be, whether the parliament will return or whether they will do it online or virtually somehow. We've seen Dominic Cummings, the infamous uh, advisor to Boris Johnson, is now in self-isolation. We've seen the cabinet meet virtually for the first time. The civil service has stepped up and we've seen the police, the military, the NHS uh, participating in the state's responses to the coronavirus on a way that we haven't seen for Years in quite an unprecedented manner as well, comparable to say the second world war, Charlie, what's your take on where we stand politically at the moment?
3: yeah, so i guess I guess bottom line uh, the thing that people need to understand is that this is probably the biggest increase in both state and executive power since World War two I mean we've not had this kind of state intervention for I mean, at least, at least since nineteen forties. Um, so this is this is absolutely impressive, isn't it? I mean, you've got Rishi Sunak the chancellor of a party whose economic messaging over the last decade or so has been has been about fiscal responsibility, balancing the books, and you've you've got this guy who's who's come up to the podium and said that this government is now going to pay eighty uh, percent of people's wages without limit, without limit on how much on how much that that could be. Um, so it's I guess you what you could kind of say is that Keynesianism is, is back in fashion in the sense that you've got all these governments I mean France uh, UK uh, e- even the US to an extent because we've just um, we've just heard, just seen them sign a one trillion dollar uh, relief plan and they're all kind of trying to legitimize this new way of economic thinking where the state must intervene in order to both keep um, keep businesses going so the whole this kind of new word about being furloughed, that um, everyone seems to pretend that they knew what meant what it meant, um, despite the fact it's only become a thing <laughs> since about three days ago. That's become a new um, buzzword. This is hopefully, uh, I think, going to create a new sort of economic climate. After all, this has finished, if it does finish, um, where the state is legitimised as as a genuine actor within national economies, and you know we we could see uh, this kind of lead to greater welfare spending, um, but also sort of uh in terms of ideas kind of increasing um the amount of tax that is taken from people um and also kind of this idea around like a magic money tree i mean that now is completely out of the water in the sense that the government can literally just now print money and keep and keep engaging in quantitative easing similar to 2008 but now people will accept it as something that is legitimate and can be done um so I think I think economically that, that's the kind, that's the bottom line. Um, we've had a this is this is absolutely unprecedented, um, and some of the announcements by the Conservative Party could almost potentially see see the Tories outflank Labour on the left, depending on who they elect as their as their leader. So yeah, really really interesting as to what's going on here.
0: Could you just explain that concept of Keynesianism, and do you think that we will end up paying for this in the future?
3: Yeah, well, to, to answer your first question, I mean, very simply, um, Keynesianism is uh, a liberal economic theory um, by uh, John Maynard Keynes. He was that he was a uh, uh, he wrote uh, most of his series during and after uh, World War World War Two, uh, and his argument was that in the short run, so. Um, rather than over the space of a few decades, in the space of a few years, especially during recessions and during economic crisis, the state ought to intervene to increase, um, increase demand. So by increasing aggregate demand, you can therefore stimulate the economy because more people have more money in their pockets, they can spend more, they can inflate the economy. Uh, and this then leads to a multiplier effect whereby um, people are spending more, so businesses do better, and they can then reinvest, etc. But the key driver behind all of that is the state as an institution not necessarily individual business decisions um and to answer your second question i mean yeah i mean of course um i mean where's i mean you've got um households in, in the uk that are still paying for the crisis 2008 um so this this is going this go, is going to be a, a long-term change in how we think both economically um, and politically. And this could be a huge challenge to the kind of, the sort of neoliberal ideas of people like um, Milton Friedman, Friedrich Hayek, that, I mean, that their ideas have completely kind of been trounced in the last few weeks.
0: Building upon another point that Charlie raised there, Jules, obviously we do have the Labour election going on. It's been going on for a long time now. What effect do you think the replacement of Jeremy Corbyn with what it's looking like will be Keir Starmer will have.
2: Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. I mean, Keir Starmer in this leadership race has mostly been associated with the um, sensible uh, centrist wing of the party. But as we can see, this Conservative government have suddenly almost been forced to lurk to the left with socialist policies. So it'll be certainly be interesting when it comes to uh, Keir Starmer's um, scrutiny of the Conservative government and whether or not there can be some form of consensus built between the two parties to to get us out of this, um, this pandemic.
0: Again, another point which I'd like to bring up here is, as we mentioned, this closure of Parliament, or rather Parliament has gone into recess. Charlie, could you explain what that means and then say would, whether you think parliament will return what the effects on parliament itself this virus is having
3: yeah so kind of part and parcel of the um social distancing measures that have been put forward and, and also part of this kind of greater domestic lockdown that we're experiencing parliament has decided to close down and um all that basically means is that mps now no longer meet uh in the houses of the house of commons and the house of lords um in westminster they actually they do their work from home or in their um, I mean, well, they did work in their constituency offices in the, until they were closed as well. Um, and, you know, again, this this is just part of the kind of very weird times that, that we're living in. Um, I mean, it, I guess, it's, I mean, it's, there are also plenty of protocols around, around Parliament closing. I mean, as we know, Parliament doesn't sit all year round. There are times where it does, in fact, suspend its session. Um, so in terms of how Parliament works, it's not anything new. It's just more... The timing of it is very very unique um and again i suppose i suppose politically af- afterwards after all this is finished i i think what we could see is the kind of i guess it could go in two ways we could either see a greater partisanship um a, a greater kind of in, in intensification of the weird um polarized britain that we have before this before this weird moment um or we could see that all we'll be suspended and kind of put behind us i mean we kind of saw in the last few days before parliament was closed um that uh kind of opposition benches and both government benches became very kind of somber they weren't as adversarial um but i guess ultimately when, when it comes down to it they kind of that's the system that's in place in westminster and it's very it's a very it's a system that is uniquely kind of ephemeral and, and enduring um so i think that they're my two kind of theories as, as around as a um, around what what could happen afterwards but um, yeah, it's just been—it's just been—it's been very weird. This has kind of been the one thing that has kind of brought Britain together in the last kind of five years, tragically. Um, and as whether well we could see that continue. I, uh, I, it's certainly a possibility, but um, I mean, given the kind of discussions that we'll have to have about our membership of the European Union, about the record of, of the Conservative Party during this major public health crisis, um, we could see a return to politics as usual. But maybe this is the very crisis that our, that our political system could need, I don't mm,
0: mm. Do we think the financial implications of this, we're seeing lots of money essentially fleeing the UK, this is the Resolution Foundation to say because the UK is described as being a very open economy, so it relies on people essentially putting money into the UK to fund our various services, our what's called a current account deficit, and in crises like these, people bring their money home, so hence we're seeing an increase in the stock in the dollar compared to the UK. So you get uh, now this is where it requires a lot of concentration, but you get less, you get more pounds for less dollars essentially, and that's because people are taking their money home and they're taking it out of the UK. Um, elsewhere, of course, we've already said that we've seen lots of businesses collapse because people well cannot go out, so they're not going to bars and clubs and so on. We're seeing the markets reaching record lows. We're seeing the pound collapse the likes of both the brexit the brexit votes and uh, the financial crisis as well. All of these major political implications do you think they're going to have long term political implications like Emily just said Jules?
2: i would I would say so um what those political implications are is a a wait and see. I think the response of the government has from what I know, increase their lead in the polls for um, likening for the party, uh, but the political implications for the UK.
0: And I guess to bring this podcast to a close, to bring the episode to a close, Emily, do you think that the UK model will stand the test of time? And looking ahead, do you think what the government doing is doing will allow us to overcome this current crisis is there light at the end of the tunnel
1: we are seeing already that i mean as of tuesday 31st of march we are beginning to see a decrease in the curve whether that means we're any closer to flattening it we just can't say at the minute Um, but looking at it from a broad perspective we are currently in a period that will be speculated by Millions of people in over the next 10, 20, 50, 100 years. so I think right at this minute it's I don't mean to sound like a politician trying, trying to copy out, but we have, we can't really make a prediction at the minute. I think a, this government will be criticized for not responding to the crisis quick enough. Um, but depending on how quick they can resolve it, they might be praised in 10 years' time. But for now, I think it's impossible to say.
0: Again, I think like most things at the moment, it really is just impossible to say. And only time will tell. I guess on that rather perhaps sobering note, unfortunately, we're out of time tonight. It's a goodbye from Jules. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from Charlie.
3: Bye, guys. And
0: it's a goodbye from Emily as well.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: Tune in on Spotify. Catch us on social media, of course. Tomorrow, you'll be greeted with another episode of Pandemonium to catch a bit more perhaps light-hearted take on the current crisis and what you can be doing whilst in quarantine. In the meantime, stay safe and catch us on Thursday for the next episode of Pandemicast.